Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Shivani Rao. She's an applied researcher uh, in the machine learning and learning relevance group at LinkedIn. So Shivani, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well, thank you. Good, tell me, I didn't know that, uh, I guess all the big companies are doing AI. So, you know, LinkedIn, um, how is LinkedIn using AI? What kind of projects are you working on there? Um, LinkedIn has been, I think, one of the pioneers of AI and machine learning um, ever since uh, you know, the early days of LinkedIn. Uh, it's one of the truest data-driven companies that I have ever worked uh, worked with or worked in. Um, it's because every single product, every single feature, every single decision that's made involves data. Uh, and when you have large amount of data, when you have um, a good infrastructure, then you have all the data that you can use to uh, play around with the data, come up with models, uh, LinkedIn has always uh, prided in being the pioneer, even in the data pipelines that have they have built to support all the machine learning and AI algorithms that they, you know, that they use for their site for recommendations. So primarily, the the AI algorithms have centered around recommendations. So if you if you land on a job site in LinkedIn, you get recommendations of jobs um, that are relevant to you based on your skills and your activity on LinkedIn. If you arrive on the feed. What you see on the feed is also personalized. If you visit someone's profile, on the right rail, you will see some courses which are coming from LinkedIn Learning Relevance Group. Those are also personalized. So personalization is the key. I think the other aspect is also search, which requires a lot of AI in it in and of itself. Um, so uh, overall, those have been the main areas in which LinkedIn has um, you know, been a pioneer ever since early days um, and continues to be. So what have you noticed that uh, the personalization does? What kind of uh, comments have you gotten from users or what kind of behaviors that are different? Um, yeah, I think that also, you know, uh, is an interesting question because uh, personalization is, uh, it requires data. So if you are a user who has not been on LinkedIn very active, you haven't uh, clicked on a lot of posts, you haven't engaged with the job postings, you haven't engaged with other you know, you don't have a huge network that you can connect to, then your recommendations can be um, based off of, you know, a cohort kind of recommendation. That means it, it averages the recommendations based on the cohort you belong to. If you're an engineer, then you get those kind of recommendations. So personalization is, it changes depending on how much activity somebody has. And I think one of the things that kind of comments we have received, and it's, it's an area of um, growth, uh, is seniority. So let's take an example of a job posting, right? Um, so if I'm a CEO of a company and I get a job recommendation of an internship at a company, that is that can be quite insulting. So some of, when when those kind of things happen, we we get a feedback ourselves, and this happens with course recommendations as well. So I could be an expert in machine learning, and I could get a course recommendation saying, uh, begin your career in data science or something like that. Course recommendation, right? And that can feel, oh wow, this algorithm doesn't really know how good I'm at it. They know that this is something of interest to me, which is good, but they also need to know how how well I am on it, uh, how well how well uh, versed I am with that particular topic, which may or may not be available to us based on the activity that someone has on LinkedIn. Uh, so that's one of the challenges, I guess, in terms of the comments we receive um, from people. 
about recommendations. Well, do, you, do you tell users um, the more you fill out your profile, the more you interact, the better the recommendations we can give to you? Yes, definitely. Um, but a lot of people, uh, some people use LinkedIn uh, periodically uh, on a regular basis, and some people are very aperiodic, as in when they want to search for a job is when they come on LinkedIn or when they uh, want to post a job as a recruiter or something else, that's when they engage with LinkedIn. Uh, or they don't work well, uh, they don't understand the value of the network that LinkedIn network brings to their personalization, their experience on LinkedIn. Um, and as long as, once once people see the value of it, then they get hooked. Um, but then, till then, these are some of the pitfalls of the recommendations. And which is, which is not to say that they're not a value. And sometimes when we get those comments, we take them seriously. We we have come up with solutions to address the seniority problem. Um, uh, but, but these are just some of the examples of the comments we receive. Sometimes we receive great comments like, wow, how did you know that this is what I wanted to do? <laughs> uh, and so that's saying a lot as well, that right. the more data we have, we can give good recommendations as well. Yeah. So how do you speed the onboarding and the learning of a particular person and customize results for them? Um, for the LinkedIn learning product, which is the learning product of LinkedIn, which is where uh, my work comes into play, when users are onboarded onto LinkedIn learning, they are allowed to choose uh, skills that they want to follow. Um, and these skills could be ranging from meditation, soft skills like management or leadership, to hard skills like C++ or Python or Scala or MapReduce. Uh, and so once the users have some skills that they want to follow, that can be used for recommendations because courses do map to the skill space. Uh, but at the same time, if the user that comes on LinkedIn Learning has had prior activity on LinkedIn feed, on the jobs, then we use that information in our model to kind of preload the recommendations while they are still doing the onboarding process uh, and adding new skills, which are then incorporated later into later versions of their recommendations. Um, but the onboarding process allows uh, users to pick skills they're interested in learning. What if I'm a recruiter and I want to um, get the right candidates? So I should just pay to advertise, or can I? slowly um, interact with them as well. If you're a recruiter and you're looking for the right candidates, uh, there is a tool called Recruiter Search, uh, or, yeah, Recruiter Search, uh, that LinkedIn provides where uh, a recruiter can come and put a job posting, select a couple of ideal candidates for the job posting, which is not to, I mean, which is not hard to find. If you think about it, if you're working in a company, you have, uh, you know, you already have engineers that look like the ideal people you'd want to hire. Um, so you can give that as an example. Hey, this is a job posting. Here are the, some of the people that are ideal candidates because they already work in my company. But I want people similar to that. So it's called a Sim Profiles product, and you can figure out who are the similar users to a given user, and that that gives you gets you as close as possible to the ideal candidates. And that's a different algorithm altogether. That's not a part of the LinkedIn relevance group, a learning relevance group. Uh, it's a part of the LinkedIn, you know, people search, recruiter search group. Uh, well, it, it also involves AI algorithms heavily, but it's not purview of my my work. Yeah, on LinkedIn, you know, I have a profile and I get job recommendations periodically, but I don't see that they explain why I'm getting the job recommendation or why they think it might be good for me. So maybe that's a feature to add. You know, it's good if you recommend the right jobs, but, you know, it may be a better step if you say, hey, we recommended an ABC company because you yep. said you have this skill or whatever. Yeah, actually, that's a very valuable feedback. And in fact, if you go to the LinkedIn learning page, uh, the courses are organized as carousels, um, just like, you know, you have the Netflix style where you have grid of uh, movie titles. It's similar to that. You have a grid of course titles. 
Um, and for each carousel, which is each horizontal row, we have a reason why that course was recommended. Um, and we have seen, we have done A-B testing to prove that those actually improve the quality of the you know, experience for the users um, as well as engagement. Um, so, yes, definitely valuable. And within LinkedIn Learning Relevance Group, where we make, make course recommendations, we do use annotations, which we call annotations here, as reasons why those courses are recommended to the users. Yeah. And as they say, actions are louder than words. So yeah. I can see if I read articles about, you know, AI, let's say, and I read articles about data science and I follow people related to that and I'm linked up with people in that area, that, that would help tell you what kind of content to send me or job right. offers, right? Exactly. Exactly. There are two ways in which we can make recommendations. And in the, in the world of recommendations, um, you know, literature, there are two types of algorithms. One is called cold start, where you don't have much activity data of, of a person. Say you're a new user and you don't have much activity. You haven't followed many people. Uh, so there we use skill-based mapping. That means based on the skills you have specified in your profile, we use the skills to match to the closest jobs or closest courses or closest uh, articles or people to follow based on uh, the skills alone. Um, and, of course, that can be limiting, right, because the skills alone will not cover, like you said, actions speak louder than words. Even the skills that someone may be interested in uh, could be aspirational and not really something that they engage with or work on every day. Um, so uh, that's definitely uh, deficient, but it's it's the best you have and you have no other information. But as, as the model collects data, we call it the warm start problem or a uh, problem where we actually have activity information to infer, infer. And there are a bunch of algorithms that we can use called collaborative filtering, content-based filtering, supervised approaches, uh, learn-to-rank approaches to make those recommendations more valuable based on the, uh, the activity data. Yeah. Do you find that employers... <clears throat> Uh, value the data in the LinkedIn profile above and beyond that of a resume or in addition to a resume? Does it tell them anything? Yeah, I think it's both. Um, I myself, uh, you know, some sit on some interview panels at LinkedIn when I'm hiring, you know, candidates uh, for for the LinkedIn relevance group. Uh, and definitely the LinkedIn profile uh, matters a lot. It has become sort of the, uh, what do you say, uh, like the driver's license, like you're legit. Uh, if you're legit, do you have a LinkedIn profile? Um, and most likely people who are actually interested in job uh, offers uh, or like who are actively interviewing will always keep, try to keep the resume updated as well as the LinkedIn profile updated. Uh, most of the time I find that LinkedIn profile is more updated than uh, the resume because it, often it can detect uh, the change in your uh, network, the change in your activity, and make recommendations. Like, looks like you're not no longer at this company anymore. <laughs> Things like that. Um, sometimes people use their work email addresses to sign up on LinkedIn, and so that changes as well, and that, that also allows to detect that somebody has changed companies. Um, so sometimes LinkedIn profiles are more, um, what do you say, uh, accurate and up-to-date than even the resume itself. Well, what happens if, um, you know, if you're going through a transition, um you know, you lose a job and you're a data scientist and you want to find another one. Do you guys look for that kind of thing? If someone yeah. posts it and show them, uh, like try to help them get back to work or? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of activities that happen along, along that. One is, of course, from the recommendation engine itself. Um, the, there is two types of algorithms we have where we make those job recommendations. One, we call them as passive job seekers versus active job seekers. So active job seekers are who are, are people who are visiting these job sites and applying 
you know, to jobs all the time, left, right, and center. They are uh, mm-hmm. contacting recruiters, uh, uh, you know, sending messages back and forth. These are active job seekers. Um, but there are a lot of people who are passive job seekers as well, who are uh, mostly surfing around, and they'll only engage if, there is, if the opportunity is pr- pretty active. And we have an algorithm that infers whether you're an active or a passive job seeker. And there's also a tool or a feature on um, on the on the LinkedIn profile page when you create your profile where you can automatically send uh, updates about your profile uh, with, a, with a short note and what titles you're looking for to recruiters. And so your profile is more surfaced, surfaced faster through those searches um, for, from the recruiter's perspective uh, if you're actually actively seeking without affecting your current employers, um, whether you're employed or planning to leave or you've already left or you're, like you say, looking for a transition, all of those things you don't want your current employer to know that you're looking for another job. So it, it tries right, to, right. It hides that notification from your the recruiters of your current of your own company, but then it left, it'll uh, inform the recruiters of the other company wherever there's a match. So there are those features that exist. Uh, that's one part of it. But LinkedIn also has an outreach program where in the libraries, um, people who are in career transition can come in and get consultation on the LinkedIn resume um, and learn about how their profile can be made better, um, so that they they are more suitable for uh, change. So often when often what happens is when someone is looking for a career transition or looking to change their jobs or make a major change, their network is not in that new domain. They don't have enough of network, and so their profile lacks the keywords and the terms required to bubble up their profile in the searches on from the recruiters. So what we do is we we teach teach them how to find these ideal profiles on LinkedIn and then learn what keywords exist in those profiles, what skill set these people have that the ideal person uh, that they want to look like, that their profile to look like. And then we teach them how to you know, crowdsource this information for themselves and then find what skills they, they, they themselves need to acquire in order to be able to match up uh, to the people that they want to become like in that ladder. So, yeah. It sounds like LinkedIn, if, you know, I guess if, it's always the case, right? If you actually if you use it and you use a lot of the features, LinkedIn sounds like it could be a huge help to recruiters and to people looking for a job. Exactly. And I, I think a lot of those features are undiscovered. A, a lot of people just look at and play around on the feed, and the feed is very professional, very tech-oriented. But though, I mean, I can say that because I'm a tech worker, so when I see my feed, it's very personalized to me, and it's very relevant. I learn a lot about uh, the latest happening in my field. So sometimes people just go... Just do that and come back. But if you were to use all the features, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Well, I guess then, you know, again, I'm just making this up on the fly. But, you know, I, again, I'm not a heavy a power user of LinkedIn, but I use it. But it would be nice if um, those suggestions were pushed to me. You know, I may, I may log in and, like, I'll see news and that's wonderful. But what if, um, you know, how do I know that all these features are there? Like, one, one thing I could see is the AI would surface certain features and test it out on me. Hey, if you're looking for a job, if you do these three things or you click here, we can help you. Or, hey, if you're looking for more visibility or what, what, you know, like it seems like a job of the AI would be to push suggestions of those things to uh, users to get them to engage more and to, to help them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think there's a balance there too. Um, you know, there's a there's a balance being a healthy nudging and being annoying, uh, an annoying grandma. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know if you remember, but like a few years ago, uh, there was a joke about LinkedIn sending emails to people about these recommendations and nudging them. And this was pre-mobile world, right? Like a few years ago before the mobile thing had really taken off. And there was a joke on SNL saying, LinkedIn, so stop sending me emails. Um, and so we we know the oh. we know that there's a boundary to be like there's a balance between nudging 
uh, in the right direction with new feature updates uh, to the point of annoyance versus just awareness. Um, the, the recommendations do appear uh, on LinkedIn. For example, if you visit a job site, uh, like a job site, on the right rail, you will see some course recommendations which would be crucial for interviewing for mm. that job, for example. Uh, but a lot of people don't take notice uh, of that. And those recommendations are themselves valuable, uh, but pushing notifications can, that that is something personally as well. I've turned out of my own notifications on all my apps, uh, and I don't want right. annoyance. I want to be able to use it as utility, but not as annoyance. So as someone who's also making these algorithms, I'm not in control of when those are pushed, but we do have an algorithm team. Um, we have a, actually a machine learning algorithm team that figures out what is the ideal cadence of pushing these notifications to different users based on their tolerance level. So we use... Um, mm feedback mechanisms like complaint rate, unsubscription, unsubscribe rate, to learn the user's tolerance to these push notifications. Um, and so if you don't get that many, maybe you have in the past uh, unsubscribed or complained in some way about those recommendations, and then this is used as a feedback in the model and uh, used to reduce the number of recommendations you're sent. On the other hand, if people actually actively engage with all the notifications that they're pushed, then there's a high chance that there'll be more recommendations sent their way about different features. Um, Okay. So, yeah, there is science behind that at LinkedIn as well. <laughs> yeah. How do people perceive LinkedIn? Do they just perceive it as if you need a job, it's a good place to look for one, or is it just a networking one? Like, what what uh, aspects of LinkedIn do people tend to use the most, and which ones do they not use, and which ones do they not use that they should use because it would be helpful to them? Um, I think it's the mainly the, it's the jobs and the people um, marketplace, essentially. So, on one side, we get a lot of enterprises signing up for the recruiter product where they actually are allowed, they actually can now use the network to hire candidates so that's the biggest revenue source uh, at linkedin um because that becomes the bread and butter for several companies to to be able to get candidates um through the network of the people and mostly the network belongs to the network of the employees they have you know can you refer a friend um and things like that um apart from that there's also obviously the profile building and brand building uh, a lot of people use linkedin as a as a way to create a brand awareness about who they are and what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. I myself use LinkedIn to uh, advertise my talks, upcoming talks, or certain articles that I've published, um, things like that. So uh, from a professional perspective, LinkedIn can be used as a brand awareness. Um, there's also a, a product called LinkedIn ProFinder, which allows you to find um, uh, you know, experts on a certain topic and pay them by the hour for their, uh, for their experience. It really? could be tax, it could be accounting. Yeah, so LinkedIn has that as well because it can identify who the experts are. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the, the primary users have been the recruiters as well as the job seekers. That has been the primary dynamic at LinkedIn. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah. So what do you think the, um, you know, you're, you're in charge of uh, implementing the AI areas. You know, you want to right. personalize their feed, et cetera, you know, mm -hmm. show them the right jobs. What else uh, is on the board for you guys to implement with AI? What else have you thought up that would be very helpful to people? Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of things along those lines. I mean, I'm myself particularly uh, within the realm of all the possible relevance uh, products. Is uh, I'm working on learning relevance, which is making course recommendations for the LinkedIn learning product. Um, and so there, the, uh, that's a that falls under the category of education technology, uh, where learners can come and continue to grow their career 
continue to supplement their education from schooling with the material online. Uh, and LinkedIn Learning came about from lynda.com, which was a company that was brought by LinkedIn in April 2015. Uh, and it, it hosts a bunch of courses in different categories like businesses or creative or technology kind of libraries uh, in five to six different languages. So um, and, and it's really an on-the-go. It's two-hour short or long courses. And it's a quick overview as opposed to sitting through a whole course uh, you know, with some of the other competing education platforms. So I think within this uh, subcategory of education technology, uh, finding out how to do skill assessments so that people who are actually supplementing their education by going online and being self-taught, how can they actually find the jobs they like through by, by being by by being self-made people? Um, and so that's the question mm -hmm. that you know, that I mostly dapple with. Yeah, I, I don't have a fancy college degree, but I have been completely self-taught and I'm, I can really write code for machine learning. I can implement any machine learning algorithm, but no job, no company will hire me because I don't have a fancy degree from a fancy university. Um, right. Is there something that we can do through the online education platform and assessments that allow us to say, okay, you have taken these courses on LinkedIn Learning, you have this background, and, you know, you say you've done these courses through your certifications. Can we do a skill assessment and say, you know these things, so you can now eligible. You're now eligible to be uh, a machine learning engineer by being a self-made person, mm. and not by being someone who got a deep fancy degree. Um, how can AI facilitate that? Uh, is one of the questions we're asking. Very interesting. Yeah. Have you seen um, some companies that are using LinkedIn exclusively or majorly for all their recruiting, or you know, how would you compare yeah. companies using, uh, you know, Indeed or Monster.com or something like that versus companies that are using LinkedIn? Is, your, is a big goal yeah. of yours to be able to attract companies and give them better tools? Exactly. And I think, you know, this, is, uh, this, this comes down to the power of network. Uh, we have a crazy amount of network data, uh, which a lot of other our competitors lack. Uh, they're mostly a flat structure. So if you apply for a job and you got a job at Microsoft, for example, right, and a recruiter at Microsoft wants to hire someone like you, there is no way for them to literally search for people like you because they don't have any network data. Um, so from a, if I was a recruiter at a company, I would actually pick LinkedIn because then I have the network information, which becomes very valuable. Um, you know, people who are engineers over time hang out with other engineers uh, and can recommend and know. Uh, and the, the community is so small in those sub-areas of, of engineering is that you would probably run cross paths with the same people over and over again in a period of your career. Um, so it becomes really, really important to attract talent through the network as opposed to just having a very flat structure uh, without that network connection. Yeah, I, I didn't, well, I don't know why it's to be obvious, but I didn't think about that. LinkedIn does have tons of network data. So, you know, without giving away secret sauce, I mean, what does the network data tell you? What, what kinds of things do you see that no one else sees? So network data is an, essentially an economic graph. We call it here, it's called the economic graph, where the nodes can be uh, people, it can be companies, it can be jobs, it can be universities, um, and the edges shows a connection. Um, and so there's a lot of uh, information that we can derive, and we publish something called as a workplace report once a year, where we figure out what are the trending skills geographically. So we can say, oh yeah, Dallas has these skills coming up. Uh, DC has those skills more important. Uh, and we already know that by intuition, but having data support that is very valuable. Um, we also... Um, we also can look at transitions, so we can figure out 
from a person's profile. Say, for example, I'm a, uh, I'm a researcher. So then based on that, based on the title I have, what's the most likely next title I will have? Uh, and that also is pretty valuable to figure out where the career direction for a particular person is. Yes, there is always a lot of averages, and you may be ruling out people who want to you know, make career transitions, but more or less you will have a general idea of which direction someone's career is headed. And also, um, you can also do migration analysis. For example, you will see that when a company, in, especially in the tech field, you see this a lot, when some companies not doing very well or has laid off a bunch of employees, you'll find migratory patterns between the people that leave that company and go to another company. You'll find a migratory pattern. It won't be like they all just scatter around and go to every other company. There'll be another company that will probably go, you know, looking to hire and you'll have a lot of people migrating from this company X, which is uh, laying off people to company Y that's hiring people. Uh, you you can uh, predict these things as well. Very interesting. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Any, um, what about on the individual basis? You know, when you see someone has a, a network of people, what happens if they, again, change jobs or industries or they want to change jobs or industries? Does, are they kind of stuck? Because let's say, you know, I'm in... Um, programming and I want to be a, I don't know, an artist instead, you know, all my network is programmers and all that. What do I do to change over or what happens when someone changes over? Um, yeah, I think that is um, that's definitely one of the problems as well. Like that, the, the pros of a network is that yes, if you can really harness the power, but sometimes you may have uh, a network that's more, um, um, you know, it's limiting than actually expansive. So for that, what I usually recommend to people is that to go and meet more people at events, um, tech events. It could be, like you say, for an artist event, maybe go to art galleries or art exhibitions or go to an art class, make friends there and add them uh, on LinkedIn and grow your network manually in the beginning at least. And then over time, you might automatically run into people. We have a product called People You May Know, uh, and you may you may get those recommendations on your site. Uh, when you land on the LinkedIn feed, on the right-hand side, on the top, you'll see, uh, do you know these people? And sometimes you know this. You know these people, at least by face, because you have seen them at events, you have seen them in other companies, or you've seen them at, like, say, someone who wants to be an artist, they've probably seen them in an art exhibition, and say, ah, oh, wait, I remember that person. I've seen that person. Let me add them on LinkedIn. So over time, you would get more recommendations that would allow you to grow that naturally. But in the beginning, it would be best to go to events and uh, network up, you know, person to person, and then actually add them on the LinkedIn profile. I'll add them to your LinkedIn uh, like network uh, at the event. Hmm. Okay, makes sense. What yeah. What are some of the um, <clears throat> the new ideas you're working on? What are we going to see from LinkedIn in the in the near future? Um, LinkedIn has uh, it has been going more into a direction of. Um, Something similar that we have seen in other companies is called AI First. That means we're trying to make sure that everybody at LinkedIn is equipped with the knowledge to build AI products, uh, no matter who they are. They don't have to be relevant engineers or PhDs in machine learning in order to be able to build it. Uh, but some basic understanding of what machine learning looks like, how can they build models with their, within their own domain uh, of problems that they're solving. So that's something that's happening uh, within LinkedIn. But also, uh, you know, some of the newest uh, Things in, include at least I can speak for an education technology uh, as things like learning assistant. So think about think about this. I'm let's say I'm preparing for interviews, right? I have taken a bunch of courses. Mm. Now uh, it would be great for me to get a question a day uh, from a learning assistant or a yeah from somebody who's trying to help me prepare for that interview and saying, hey, here's your question for the day. Can you answer it? What if I ask mm. this question in interview? You usually have to have people mock interviews for you. So that could be something that would be really fun for. 
um, LinkedIn to have in the education technology space. Um, there's also a lot of chatbots, work along chatbots that are happening where uh, you can engage with uh, the LinkedIn um, ecosystem and allow it, allow it to guide you. And this doesn't have to be something that works only within an interface. It can be through voice interface and things like that. So you can actually talk to LinkedIn and say, hey, can you find me jobs? Or what's the top job for today? Or what's the top company to follow? Or so I'm going for an interview with this company. Can you give me some news and updates about this company so that I'm, I'm not, I don't look like a fool at the interview? So things like that yeah. also are um, very valuable um, for, for, for people who are, engaged, who are using LinkedIn or relying on LinkedIn to find jobs. And we are, we'll hopefully have those coming out soon. Well, you can see the question today could help you with learning how to interview. If you gave questions that interviewers tend to ask, um, yeah. they could help exactly. you with, you know, let's say you took a course on, uh, again, machine learning. And if you get one question a day about it, it keeps you fresh and sharp, you know, so you don't forget what you learned. So I guess exactly. that'd be a great reminder. And it's a nice bite-sized way to yep. learn more stuff, you know? Exactly. And we already have um, an algorithm that detects uh, bite-sized videos. So we have learned that uh, learning is a dirty process. Learning is a cumbersome <clears throat> process. And the, the more we make it easier for learners to learn, the better it is. So what we have uh, come up with is a way to even make it shorter than a whole course content. Like the people probably go to universities for four years to learn what they need to learn. Some people take a whole semester of course on Coursera or other, other learning platforms. But what we want to make is learning as a habit on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and so what we do is we, uh, for example, have a course content with 20 videos. Which of those 20 videos can be recommended as a bite video on a daily basis or, or randomly to a user who's interested in, the, in those bites? And how can we match them? Uh, for, for whatever they're asking. It could be through a question that we can mine from the search logs, or it could be um, something that actually matches with the skill that a person is interested in. So uh, those are some of the things that we have already are underway, um, and that is uh, speaking to your point about bite-sized content. Uh, bite-sized content is extremely powerful. If you, Even if you spend two minutes a day learning about one thing by looking at one video on LinkedIn Learning, it would just totally add up over a year for the field of expertise. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. I really yeah. like that. That's great. Yeah. Thank so you. So, um, just one or two more questions. The people that are on LinkedIn every day, you know, the people that you love, the power users, mm -hmm. what are they doing versus the people that are there just occasionally? Have you identified, are they just like in active job search mode or are they, are they doing other things that uh, make them go on LinkedIn often? Um, like I said, I think in LinkedIn, people are coming to LinkedIn as mainly two types. One are the kind of people that engage on an everyday basis. They love the feed. They love staying in touch with the network. Um, and there's another group of people that come aperiodically when, when they're doing a job search. So when I'm doing a job search, I'll engage heavily with LinkedIn because I'm talking to recruiters, I'm create, updating my profile, so I'm appearing more in searches, uh, and I'm pinging my network to help me. And when the job is done, when I have a job offer, I just disappear from, for again days till, till the next time I have to uh, search for jobs. There are people like that as well. And then there are people who will occasionally log in on a weekend for five minutes uh, or so, um, which are which is, again, sounds like healthy to me. Um, but they're not engaging a whole lot. But they're, they are they do have some engagement over a really long period of time. Um, so there are different categories of users, and the, our recommendation algorithm takes that into account. Um, yeah. Well, very good. Well, this is uh, you know I didn't realize LinkedIn can do all these great things. So I mean this will be instructive for listeners no matter what they do. Everyone's got yeah. to work to live. So uh, you know this is it's really great. I'm glad to hear about this stuff. But what, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Probably through LinkedIn or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to ask um, questions, I... suggest ideas. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love engaging. Uh, one of the things that I have done for my own career is, apart from writing code and uh, you know developing models, I try to engage with the larger technical community. So I try to publish my work once a, once a year, uh, speak at outreach events, uh, speak at different events. So if if you want to look up more about me, you can visit uh, shivanirao.info. So that's my full name dot info, um, and you'll have uh, the latest news about my talks. My 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 outreach activities, my volunteering services with the research community, as well as uh, my Twitter handle, as well as an email address. If you want to reach me, my resume is also up there. Um, so everything you want to know about me is on my website. Um, yeah. That's great, Shivani. Thanks so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rich. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, around the corner future technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.